0: And in case after case after case, they were unable to proffer any evidence or substantial proof that fraud exists in our country. Oh, call on me. I've got some proof. Me. Call on me. I've got some. Well, I
1: don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling there's something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And i wonder how i get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me Jokers to the right Here I am stuck in the
0: middle with you Yep From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding On KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN and Eureka's KGOE Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui-Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN. In Palinville, New York on WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ concord new hampshire's wnhn fayetteville arkansas kpsq and seattle on kodx jamesville wisconsin's wadr and minneapolis st paul's am 950 ktnf we also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day for your listening convenience on the internets, on the progressive voices channel netroots radio Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow. Says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast. Longtime listeners to this show... And readers of bradblog.com may not be surprised to hear about the huge election fraud scandal now rocking the Republican Party of Michigan. Well, they might be surprised to hear about it because it has not gotten a lot of coverage. But once they hear about it, they won't be surprised that it's actually happening (laughs) in Michigan.
1: A little nuance there, but yes.
0: Uh, Hi Desi Doyen. Hi. If you have not yet heard about uh, this scandal or the many years of similar scandals for the Michigan GOP, please do stay tuned. I will tell all shortly. But first up today, very quickly, uh, as primary voters are heading to the polls in Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, and also Texas, where there are some critical runoff elections, I am happy to report At least so far today that I'm not finding major voting problems for voters in any of those four states, other than, of course, a few in, take a guess.
1: I was going to say Texas.
0: No, Georgia.
1: Georgia, Georgia. as usual. Yes.
0: Uh, The problems, also as usual, are are being downplayed as, you know, some, quote, hiccups. Oh, glitches? Yes, that's right. Hiccups in a few voting locations, not as failures, not as the inability for voters to cast their vote, but just hiccups. That according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Happily, at least so far, the probs do not seem to be particularly widespread as far as I can tell. AJC reports at least four voting locations opened late on Tuesday morning generally because of difficulties setting up the state's complicated voting equipment, according to Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, who chose that complicated (laughs) voting equipment and forced every voter in the state to use it at the polls. Judges could end up ordering those precincts in Fulton, Bibb and Chatham counties, all heavily Democratic-leaning counties, by the way. Uh, to stay open a few minutes later to ensure voting opportunities, presuming those voters are able to come back and vote later. Raffensperger said, what we're seeing is very few lines at Georgia's 2,500 polling places. Well, that's good, given that the state has a new law this year barring anybody from giving food or water to those waiting online to vote. That same law, SB 202, Uh, bars media and the public from taking photos inside of polling places or telling anyone other than election officials if they observe problems during the tallying of ballots. So, by way of full disclosure, I am a named plaintiff in a lawsuit representing media, a lawsuit filed by the Coalition of Good Governance, against several provisions in that law, SB 202. So far, only the measures... Blocking observation and photos by the public and the media and so forth, the part of the law that I'm suing against, uh, so far, those are the only ones who have been put on hold by a federal judge. So I'm a winner. <laughs> Uh, Anyway, the other suppressive measures are still in place uh, for the first time during these uh, midterm primaries, I believe. In Fulton County, that's Atlanta, voting was reportedly running mostly smoothly, says the AJC, at almost all of the county's 250 polling sites, in part thanks to the 91,000 voters who cast their ballots during the three weeks of early voting That, according to the uh, election director there, even though Republicans have been working hard to limit or restrict early voting, and that, of course, is why, because it makes voting much easier for the bigger crowds on Election Day. Uh, Also, two polling places opened about 20 to 30 minutes late. Some unverifiable voting systems across the state were not working at all because of problems with their batteries, but poll workers said they had enough functioning touchscreen machines to avoid delays. Uh, At one church, uh, voters had to wait for 40 minutes in line on Tuesday morning for some reason. Older voters were carried from a parking lot to the front door. Elderly voters were then allowed to go to the front of the line, which is thoughtful. Hopefully it's still legal in Georgia. Uh, But so far, at least, not too many problems being reported that I have been able to find Uh, So that's good. Uh, I've yet to hear about any problems in the other states that are holding elections on Tuesday. Uh, As you know, however, sometimes it takes some time for that to come out. We will keep our eyes on that in case uh, problems come to light in the coming days. The primary in Georgia will, of course, determine Republican and Democratic nominees for governor, U.S. Senate, Closely watched campaigns for Secretary of State, hi Brad Raffensperger, Congress, Lieutenant Governor, uh, and other statewide offices. Several of those races are particularly contentious, particularly on the GOP side. During early uh, in-person voting over the last three weeks, Georgia voters shattered, apparently, turnout records for a primary Over 796,000 cast ballots over the last three weeks. That is two and a half times higher than the presidential primary two years ago. So more early votes than happened two years ago for a presidential race. To advance to the uh, general election in November, at least in Georgia, candidates must win more than 50 percent of the vote if they don't. Uh, If no one wins a majority, runoffs will be held uh, in four weeks on June 21. We'll have full details, uh, or at least noteworthy details, as they exist on our next broadcast regarding Tuesday's elections in all four states. But uh, a bit more news out of Georgia when it comes to elections, and I think this is sort of good news. (laughs) Okay. I think. We'll see what you think. Also from the AJ Atlantic Journal Atlanta Journal Constitution, the state's automatic voter registration system was broken in Georgia for 15 months. That doesn't sound like good news. The good news is that it has now been fixed. A minor change to a registration website fixed it instantly, reports Mark Nice at the AJC on Monday. Voter registrations thereafter skyrocketed last month once the Georgia Department of Driver Services resumed signing up eligible voters by default unless they opted out. Data provided by the department shows that 72 percent of citizens submitted voter registration information in April. 72 percent of citizens who use that website in April. That is up from just 27 in March, 27% back in March. In raw numbers, that amounts to 106,000 registration applications in April compared with just 46,000 in March. Why? What happened here? Well, automatic voter registration had been turned off since January of 2021 when the department. Uh, redesigned its registration website as part of a broader upgrade. Instead of registering drivers by default automatically when they signed up to get a driver's license or change their address etc. The website began requiring driver uh, 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 well drivers who were using the site to click either yes or no when asked whether they wanted to sign up but that meant they could just hit the next button and not choose either yes or no.
1: In other words, they had to affirmatively opt in to being registered to vote, and most, it seems, just went past to the next button.
0: That's what it appears. And uh, the department changed the website again in March of this year to replace that yes-no format with a simple opt-out button for those who don't want to register. Everyone is automatically registered as per state law. And now all eligible Georgians become active voters by just pushing that next button on the online form when they're applying for or renewing their driver's license, unless they take the effort to click the opt-out button. So yeah, it was that simple. Uh, Web design can make this sort of huge difference. The new website, Redesign, followed reporting from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution about declines in voter registration. Initially, the automatic registration program had earned praise for growing the state's voter rolls from 6.6 million back in 2016 to 7.7 million today. Georgia is one of 22 states with automatic registration through the driver's license offices. Automatic registration Increased both election access and security, verifying voters information and matching it to a photo ID before they are registered. If Republicans were really concerned about election security, which they are not, as I will make very clear uh, yet again in a story that I'll get to in a bit. Hello, Michigan. But if they were really concerned about security, they would make certain to use Programs like this in all states, at all DMVs and and DMV websites, because it helps in this way to match actual driver's license. When they go to get a driver's license, they can match it to the actual voter registration. So they know it's a legitimate registration at the the person's address, etc. But they don't do that because they don't actually care about election security.
1: Yeah, and they don't actually want more people to vote. Republicans are very, very clear on that.
0: Besides enrolling new voters, automatic registration also affects existing voters to ensure their addresses are accurate. State law, when you change your address or move and so forth, uh, you're supposed to move your voter registration as well, but a lot of people don't. But when... They go to get their new license for their new address, well, they'll automatically move their voter registration. But get this, before the change was made, recently, the, the, the paper says the Department of Driver Services has said it didn't intend to weaken automatic voter registration last year when it redesigned the, the page. Uh, but before that change last year, when automatic voter registration was in place, Prior to last year's change, which gave them a yes or no choice, there were over 350,000 address changes and 289,000 new voter registrations each year, according to state election records. But those numbers just fell over a cliff to about half, half of what they had been. Uh, prior to this change, just 175,000 address changes, just hundred under 150,000 new voter uh, 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 registrations through those offices in the entire last year, 2021. So uh, whether they were doing this on purpose, I don't know, but the state's horrible GOP Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, who is on the ballot on Tuesday, says... He does not plan to uh, contact voters who were impacted by this change. The executive director of Fair Fight Action, a voting rights group formed by Stacey Abrams, is asking the secretary of state to contact all of those voters who used the site last year and didn't make a yes or no choice since they're supposed to be automatically registered. Raffensberger said he ain't going to do it. Over two million Georgia voters interact with the Department of Driver Services each year. So that's the uh, Brad Raffensperger, the Georgia Secretary of State that many Democrats ridiculously regard as some sort of hero simply because he refused to help Donald Trump steal the 2020 election back when Trump threatened him on that infamously recorded phone call if he didn't, quote, find just exactly enough votes to steal the state of Georgia for Trump over Biden uh, who actually won the state by about 12,000 votes or so Georgia implemented this automatic voter registration back in 2016 under the administration of Republican officials at the time including Governor Brian Kemp now Governor Brian Kemp then Secretary of State Brian Kemp
1: who was overseeing his own election to become governor
0: How cool how that works yeah However, uh, Raffensberger, who is overseeing his own election uh, on Tuesday as secretary of state to try to get the Republican nomination, uh, Raffensperger uh, recently said he supports legislation that would end automatic voter registration because of course he does. Because why? Well, because it works. It makes democracy better. It registers more people. It makes the registration rules more accurate. And all of that, of course, is a big problem for Republicans in Georgia and, frankly, everywhere around the country. During a recent debate, Raffensperger, uh, who's debating who was debating a Trump-endorsed election denialist opponent in the GOP primary for Secretary of State, Raffensberger said, quote, People should be asked the question to have a choice. Would you like to be registered or would you not? And then we would respond yes or no. He said that would be the update that we should have and the General Assembly should pass that. Even though we have just learned that it prevents tens of thousands of voters from registering at all or even keeping the registration rolls accurate. That's what the update did in georgia over the past year it cut voter registration in half as apparently raffensperger the state's chief election official wants to see made permanent in the state in the peach state what a peach if automatic registration were eliminated uh, eliminated there, supporters say fewer new voters and new georgia residents would be signed up to vote and address information for existing voters would become less accurate. But, of course, Republicans are in favor of that as well. They want inaccurate rolls so they can later pretend there is massive fraud being committed by Democrats. It requires even more restrictions on the right to vote. If Republicans actually cared about any of this, if they actually cared about fraud and secure elections, they wouldn't keep getting caught committing it, as has once again happened in a massive election fraud scandal now coming to light in the great state of Michigan. That story, a story of not just massive election fraud in Michigan, but massive GOP election fraud in Michigan for years. That's next up today. And we've got our latest Green News report thereafter as well. Yep. That's all ahead on today's Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com. We fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely Independent. Please help us continue that fight over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Uh-huh. Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. The Republican Party of Michigan has a very, very serious problem with election fraud that is now endangering a whole bunch of its top candidates running for the GOP gubernatorial nomination this year who are hoping to unseat the state's Democratic uh, first term Democratic governor, Gretchen Whitmer, who, unlike the Republicans in the state, does not have a massive election fraud problem. This uh, problem is, unfortunately, anything but new for Michigan Republicans. As I reported at Bradblog.com way back in 2012, 10 years ago, Desi Doyen. Wow,
1: 2012?
0: Not that anyone paid attention back then or now, but uh, okay. as I reported in 2012, given disenfranchising polling place photo ID restriction laws that Republicans have enacted in nearly a dozen states over the past year, you'd think there was an epidemic of Democratic voter fraud in this nation. That's certainly the way the GOP has framed it and fooled the corporate mainstream media into reporting it, as I noted 10 years ago. As it turns out, I wrote, not only is there no such epidemic of Democratic voter fraud, but the opposite is true. Over the past year, I reported very high profile Republicans, including that year's presumed standard bearer, Michigan's Michigan's former governor, Mitt Romney. The Secretary of State of Indiana, Charlie White, in the first state to institute polling place photo ID restrictions, one time GOP frontrunner Newt Gingrich, Missouri's then new GOP nominee for the U.S. Senate, Todd Akin, and the group hired by the Sacramento, California Republican Party to collect voter registrations that year for Congressman Dan Lundgren, among others who I detailed all in this article, Uh, All of them had each been revealed as having committed or participated in election fraud, both voter registration fraud and actual voter fraud in state after state, as I detailed at the time before going on to ask. Uh, Should we be really surprised then to learn that four aides to former long shot GOP presidential candidate at the time and U.S. House Congressman Thaddeus McCotter, representative of Michigan's 11th congressional district and one of its uh, most Republican districts, by the way, were indicted? The day before I wrote this article 10 years ago on dozens of criminal felony and misdemeanor election fraud charges for having turned in over 1500 forged and falsified signatures in a, quote, blatant and, quote, disgraceful attempt to qualify the congressman for this year's ballot. For that year's ballot, back in 2012, those quotes were actually at the time from the state's Republican Attorney General. That's how he described these crimes in Michigan in 2012. The uh, charges were filed by Michigan's Attorney General against McCutter, Staffers, Don Yaochung, Paul Seawald, Mary Melissa Turnbull, and Lorraine O'Brady according to the De- Detroit Free Press at the time, quote, most of the charges were filed against McCotter's deputy district director Don Yau and district director Paul Seewald. One of them faced 17 charges, 11 felonies and six misdemeanors. The other 10 felonies and nine misdemeanors in all. The four were indicted on 12 felony and 21 misdemeanor election fraud related charges back in 2012. The investigators report at the time detailed each of the hundreds of fraudulent signatures and petitions that were submitted by these four aides on McCotter's behalf. As they described, quote, uh, that they, quote, revealed that the petition collection efforts were carried out by a dysfunctional congressional staff that had completely lost its moral compass. The investigators found at the time that the Republican staffers, quote, function in a culture completely indifferent to the requirements of law and with the arrogant attitude that the rules simply did not apply to them. Well, that sounds about right, doesn't it?
1: Sadly, yes.
0: Still, 10 years later, it sounds about right. Uh, Though, quote, at the time, quote, fraudulent nominating petitions were submitted for the 2012 elections cycle. The report concluded perhaps even more disturbing is the fact that evidence indicates similar fraudulent petition schemes were used in prior elections. So even by 2012, 10 years ago, this was a problem for Michigan Republicans. But for even longer than that, going back even before 2012, After the fraudulent signatures were discovered, I reported at the time, there were not enough left for McCotter to qualify for that year's ballot. Amazingly, in that case, just 1,000 valid signatures were needed to put him on the ballot. But after the fraudulent ones were tossed, just 244 not fraudulent signatures were left. When the Republican election fraud was first revealed, McCotter suggested he would run as a write-in candidate, but then he ended up resigning from the US House and announced he would not be seeking re-election.
1: Of course, that was a long time ago, back when Republican House members had shame,
0: mm, not much. As I said, he ended up running trying to run for president oh, thereafter. Oh, that's
1: right. I forgot.
0: As the alternate reported at the time in covering the uh, felony indictments of the McCotter staffers, quote, a Republican congressman and his, quote, dysfunctional staffers are now exhibit A for election fraud in Michigan. There is not a single Democrat involved that. Again, was in the midst of the phony frenzy created by GOP voter fraud fraudster James O'Keefe back then to try to claim that the community group Acorn, which had signed up poor and working class people to vote, that they were committing massive fraud. They weren't. Even as a handful of their workers, their contract workers, did defraud the organization itself by submitting fraudulent registration forms so that they would get paid. But to this day, there is zero evidence of any fraudulent registration form submitted by a rogue Acorn employee ever resulting in any fraudulent vote in any election ever. Nonetheless, the group was put out of business back then, thanks to the phony, fake, deceptively edited Acorn Pimp Hoax videos created by O'Keefe, distributed by the Republican propaganda site Breitbart News and Fox News and all the rest. But at the very same time, dozens of criminal charges, actual criminal charges were filed against Uh, You know, four top staffers working for a sitting Republican U.S. congressman from Michigan. That was 10 years ago. You think the Michigan GOP might have learned something from that way back then. But apparently what they learned is that election fraud to place candidates on the ballot is just fine, I guess. We'll move the clock forward now up to this year. Just over three weeks ago, as signature petitions were turned in at the end of last month for a bevy of Republican candidates in Michigan hoping to get on this year's midterm primary ballot. Michigan's primary, by the way, is on August 2nd, as reported by NBC News at the time, really to little notice elsewhere, frankly. Michigan Democrats formally accused Republican candidates for governor of submitting, yes, forged signatures to get on the state's primary ballot. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? In a trio of complaints, attorneys working with the state Democratic Party said they found problems with the nominating petitions filed by former Detroit police chief James Craig, businessman Perry Johnson, and a right-wing commentator named Tudor Dixon. Enough uh, fraudulent signatures to disqualify all three from the August 2nd primary, they argued, back in late April. Fraudulent signatures were the chief complaint for Craig's and Johnson's petition, while a paperwork error was the central focus of the Dixon complaint. Ten Republicans have lined up for the chance to run against first-term Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer in November. Michigan Democratic Party Chair LaVora Barnes called for a review in April of all the nominating petitions of Republican gubernatorial candidates. In a statement at the time, Barnes charged, quote, the extensive evidence of fraud and forgery found throughout the nominating petitions submitted by James Craig, Tudor Dixon and Perry Johnson indicate not only their irresponsible campaigns are grossly negligent, but that they are not capable of being accountable leaders. Now, to get on the uh, on the primary ballot. uh, Michigan candidates for governor need to submit a minimum of 15,000 signatures from registered voters including at least 100 voters in half of the state's 14 congressional districts. The deadline for that was uh, April 19 last month. A 140-page 45-page complaint was filed at the end of the month alleging fraud in close to half of the 21,000 signatures submitted by Craig, one of the frontrunners in the GOP primary to run against Whitmer. The complaint said some signatures appear to come from people who are deceased. Deceased people signed these uh, petitions, while others apparently did not match voters' past signatures on other ballot petitions. The majority of the challenged signatures were allegedly gathered through a technique called round robining, with a group of people... Uh, basically sit around a table and they take turns signing different names and addresses on petitions using a list of voters so that hopefully the signatures don't all look like they were written by the same person with the same ink and the same handwriting. And I hope, well, it should go without saying that is both highly improper and highly unlawful.
1: Yeah, don't do it. It's illegal. And it sounds
0: very similar to what those staffers for then Congressman McCotter faced criminal charges for 10 years ago in Michigan. But here it's happening again, at least according to the Democrats. Mark Brewer, an attorney and former chair of the Michigan Democratic Party who led the inquiry into signatures for Craig, said, quote, I have never seen this volume of evidence of forgery. He said, I think we have a very strong case against Craig. A uh, PAC supporting Tudor Dixon, one of the other Republicans, who is herself being challenged by the Democrats, also reportedly filed a complaint challenging that uh, Craig's signature petitions were fraudulent last month. So even one of the Republicans, Dixon, who is being charged, it was a complaint against her. Uh, Even she is complaining against a fellow Republican, Craig, who was the front runner at the time. Signing multiple petitions and signing nominating petitions for multiple candidates are both considered to be criminal fraud. A complaint filed by Democratic election attorney Steve Lytle challenging the signatures submitted for Perry Johnson, who's running on a commitment to quality, raised concerns of forgery as well, claiming Johnson's campaign used some of the same people that were hired to gather signatures for Craig. The petitions also appear to have 66 signatures from dead people, the complaint says. How many times have you heard that Democrats are out there uh, casting votes in favor of dead people?
1: Using the votes of dead people, yes, over and over and over and over again.
0: And yet, every time these people are caught, it turns out to be a Republican casting a vote for their dead mother or their dead husband, or in this case, 66 signatures from dead people to place their favorite candidate on the ballot. The third complaint uh, is about Tudor Dixon. Her petition, uh, they say, included false information about the duration of a governor's term and uh, as well as signatures that were gathered by one of the people who Craig had also hired to collect names and signatures from dead people. Dixon uh, is supported, or was at the time, last month, supported by Donald Trump He said, uh, at least uh, before all of these allegations, quote, I know, Tudor, I think of all the people running, she has probably been the toughest on election integrity. And that's a very important issue, he said. Dixon at the time provided NBC News with a statement from the candidate calling the complaint against her desperate and bogus. Simply put, she said Gretchen Whitmer knows I will beat her and the Repub- and the Michigan Democratic Party knows I will beat her. Fortunately for Michiganders, this bogus petition challenge will fail and I will continue to champion what is true and right for Michigan families. Well, we shall see because on Monday now of this week, the results of the investigations into those complaints are now in. And as TPM's Matt Shuham reports... A signature forgery scandal has turned the race for the GOP nomination to be Michigan's next governor on its head. Two leading Republican candidates did not collect enough signatures to qualify for the primary ballot after invalid signatures were excluded, according to a report from the state's Bureau of Elections. The Bureau uh, reports will now go to the board, Michigan Board of State canvassers, which will vote on Thursday on which candidates will qualify to appear on the ballot for the August two primaries. Thirty six, 36 petition circulators. These are campaign workers hired to collect signatures, quote, submitted fraudulent petition sheets consisting entirely of invalid signatures, according to the Bureau in all. According to the report, on Monday, these circulators submitted at least, are you sitting down, 68,000 invalid signatures across nominating petitions for 10 candidates.
1: 68,000?
0: Invalid signatures for 10, not just the three or so, two or three that they uh, challenged initially. But 10 candidates, both leading Republican candidates, submitted well above the 15,000 signatures that are necessary, but were subsequently hit with those complaints that they were, that there was fraud in those signatures. So James Craig, the former Detroit police chief, he submitted more than 11,100 invalid signatures. Remember, he only needed 15,000 legitimate ones but more than 11,000 of them were fake. As it turns out, just over 10,000 of them were actually valid signatures, according to the Bureau's report. They cited, quote, consistent handwriting for the entirety of a petition sheet, including signatures and evidence of round tabling or round robining, passing the sheets around the table to make the entries appear more authentic. So... He only had 10,200 valid ones. He's the former Detroit police chief, the leading uh, candidate for the Republican Party's nomination for governor. He could only come up with 10,000 valid signatures. He needed 15,000 to qualify. The other leading GOP gubernatorial candidate was Perry Johnson. He submitted nearly 14,000 valid signatures, but that's not enough to make the ballot. And he also submitted over 9,000 invalid signatures.
1: So if they'd spent maybe a little bit more time looking for that remaining 1,000 or so instead of the time they spent making up 9,000 fake ones? Yes. yes. He might have made
0: it. The same group of circulators who submitted thousands of invalid signature pages for Craig's campaign also did so for Johnson's, according to the Bureau. But there were also three additional Republican gubernatorial candidates who also fell fall far short of the valid signatures needed to qualify, according to the Bureau. Michael Brown, Michael Markey, Donna Brandenburg each submitted well more than 15,000 signatures, but in all three cases, more than 10,000 of them were deemed to be invalid. So, now we're up to five GOP gubernatorial candidates in Michigan who did not meet the requirement for 15,000 ballot signatures thanks to thousands of fraudulent signatures that were used to try and place them fraudulently on the ballot. Remember, when one or two acorn workers were found to have falsely submitted a voter registration form for Mickey Mouse or for Mary Poppins, well, neither Mickey nor Mary actually cast a vote in those elections. It had no effect on any election and the workers were held accountable for defrauding ACORN, not for defrauding elections. But this this is a massive GOP sponsored effort to not only defraud elections, but defraud voters themselves by putting candidates onto the ballot who did not qualify to be on the ballot using a massive election fraud scheme. And if you're only hearing about this now, you may want to ask your friendly local Democrat what the hell they are doing other than talking about this, this all new attempt by Republicans to defraud American elections, because I guarantee you, had the situations been reversed here and this had been Democrats caught doing this, boy, you would hear nothing else other than this day after day, minute after minute, hour after hour on all of the right wing media outlets. Now, the ultimate decision on the uh, candidates' qualifications for office is actually not up to the Bureau of Elections, it's up to the Michigan Board of State canvassers. uh, That's made up of two Democrats and two Republicans. They're set to meet on Thursday of this week when, as I understand it, candidates will have to receive a Majority of votes from the panel to qualify for the ballot. So they will need at least three votes to qualify, meaning even if the two Republican members of the board are completely corrupt and they decide to vote in favor of the candidates who committed this fraud, it will not be enough to qualify for the ballot. They need to get at least one uh, vote from one of the Democrats. If the board heeds the Bureau of Elections report and disqualifies five out of 10 of the Republican gubernatorial contenders. Well, guess what? Good news. Tudor Dixon. Uh, This could open the door for her. She, by the way, has denied that Joe Biden won the Michigan uh, election in 2020 and on Monday received the endorsement of the wealthy DeVos family. Michigan's most influential kingmakers, Dixon notably is also the only candidate to receive a shout out in this contest at Donald Trump's rally in Michigan last month where he has yet to he hasn't endorsed her yet, but he called her fantastic and brilliant. And as far as I can tell, she didn't have enough invalid signatures to disqualify her from the ballot, so depending on how things go on Thursday, she may immediately become the front runner for the G O P gubernatorial nomination.
1: Amazing. Are there going to be any criminal charges for any of this?
0: Don't know yet. Don't know yet. This is all just uh, coming out. The complaints were filed last, uh, uh, you know, just a few weeks ago. Last month, the bureau has concurred that this is uh, indeed that these were fraudulent. So we will see. Uh, in the meantime, by the way, along with Tudor Dixon, now suddenly a front runner here. Uh, last month, um, the, uh, at the there's a GOP gubernatorial nomination in Michigan for some of the other uh, officials on the ballot. So Dixon could end up joining the other 2020 election denialists that the state party has already chosen to be their nominees for uh, chief election official, secretary of state, and their top law enforcement officer, attorney general. They selected those folks at the party's nominating party last month, where GOP nominees for those offices uh, were chosen at the time by the party at the convention. Uh, At the time, the convention was described as crazy by those who attended it. Uh, It became a showdown between those who believe the election was stolen in Michigan and those members that are still in the party who aren't entirely insane At the time, uh, Washington Post reported it. uh, They said both of the nominees, Matthew DiPerno for attorney general, Christine Caramo for secretary of state, were supported by Trump, who said the pair are key to his plans for the next presidential election. He said this is not just about 2022. He said that during a rally to support their candidacies in early April, he said this is about making sure Michigan is not rigged and stolen again in 2024. So uh, the party, by the way, that convention, a huge amount of infighting. They were complaining, ironically enough, about the election process. They said it was a mess. The voting quote, the voting system was a complete disaster. Even basic tenets like secret ballots were a major problem. Delegates had more privacy in the urinal than at the voting area, hmm. as it was reported by The Post last month. So uh, but now uh, the question is, how many of these candidates will be actual election fraudsters themselves allowed onto the ballot. At least one campaign vowed to fight for their qualifications against this challenge on Monday night after the report revealed tens of thousands of fraudulent uh, signatures. The staff of uh, the—this was uh, John Yob, a consultant for Perry Johnson, uh, wrote on on Twitter, the staff of the Democrat secretary of staff— that's what he said— Typo. Yeah. Uh, Does not have the right to unilaterally void every single signature obtained by the alleged forgers who victimized, victimized five campaigns, he said. Craig's campaign acknowledged earlier this month that his campaign may have submitted invalid signatures. One of his attorneys told the Detroit Free Press, quote, the allegation that a handful of circulators defrauded the Craig campaign and Michigan voters is troubling, but... The proof will ultimately be found in a careful comparison between petition and qualified voter file signatures. Well, that careful comparison has now happened, and it has now determined that his candidate submitted 11,100 invalid signatures of the 15,000 needed to qualify. Maybe he's got big hands. I don't know. (laughs) That's a pretty big handful. Uh, Mark Brewer, the attorney and former chair of the Michigan Democratic Party who filed the original complaint against Craig, told TPM on Monday before the results of the probe were announced, quote, I've been practicing election law in this state since the 1980s, and I have never seen forgery on this scale. Now again, the findings announced Monday do not automatically disqualify these people. That'll be up to the four-member board of state canvassers, which is the same body you may recall that was subject to then President Donald Trump's pressure campaign in 2020 when uh, he remember yes. them when he attempted to convince them to not affirm Joe Biden's victory in the state. So Stephen uh, Lidell, the attorney who submitted the complaint against Perry Johnson, said a candidate may think they're qualified for the ballot. The question is, are there three members of the board of canvassers that agree with them? All indications are it's going to be a long meeting on Thursday, he said. One Republican board member, Norman Schinkel, uh, had abstained from the uh, certification vote back in 2020. The other Republican... Voted to certify Biden's win. He was subsequently not renominated to that board by the Republican Party. He was replaced by a guy named Tony Daunt. As it turns out, uh, putting Tony, Tony Daunt on that board may not have been a very good idea. Last month, following the quote, crazy Michigan State GOP convention, Washington Post uh, noted, uh, you know, when the Republicans nominated the two election deniers for secretary of state and attorney general, Daunt resigned from the party's executive committee and issued a blistering resignation letter charging, among other things, quote, Republicans should be poised for tremendous gains across the country, but not here in Michigan, not now. His letter slammed the party for what he described as excessive fealty to Trump and to the cause of proving supposed fraud in the 2020 election. Quote, uh, feckless, cowardly party leaders, he said, have made the elections here in Michigan a test of who is the most cravenly loyal to Donald Trump and litigating the results of the 2020 cycle. Earlier this month, Daunt told Bridge Michigan, quote, whether I agree with the candidates, whether I Disagree with the candidates if they haven't met the requirements of the law, then they're not fit to run for office or to have ballot access. Not a good sign for those Republicans. The board's other Republican, Norm Schinkel, who abstained uh, back in 2020, uh, he said earlier this month, referring to the circulators accused of this of these forgeries, quote, I just hope they go to prison so they learn a lesson. Well, that's your latest lesson, your latest update on the massive, long time running election fraud going on inside the Michigan Republican Party, which plans to run this year, apparently on the claim that Democrats stole the 2020 presidential election through... Massive election fraud, despite the fact that there is zero evidence of any such fraud in Michigan or really anywhere else, at least on the Democratic side. So, hey, Republicans, good luck with that. The Green News Report is next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. The broadcast. Uh, While I was speaking there about election fraud in Michigan, uh, looks like my phone was going crazy uh, with breaking news of another mass shooting. This time it appears in Texas. Uh, I'll tell you what, Desi Doyen, let's uh, run uh, today's Green News Report. I will look at this information. We will come back with whatever information we have on this. So let's go to it. Our latest Green News report.
1: Australians have chosen a government that will act on climate change. (laughs) Big win for climate and living things in Australia's national elections. Global warming made record South Asia heat wave more likely and much worse. Plus, grid regulator warns most of the U.S. is at risk of blackouts this summer.
0: Oh, fantastic. All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And
1: I'm Desi Doyen.
0: Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Oh, beautiful for smoggy skies, insecticided grain For strip-mined mountains, majesty above the asphalt plain America, America, man sheds his waste on thee And hides the pines with billboard signs from sea to oily sea Thank you, George Carlin. You are missed. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyne, we've got some actual good news today in the Green News Report, so (laughs) knowing you, you're probably going to leave it till the end.
1: Uh, That's true. Uh First, the bad news. Right. Another round of early extreme heat walloped the eastern seaboard of the United States over the weekend, and that came along with a warning. A new assessment by U.S. grid regulator, the North American Electric Reliability Corporation, warns that extreme temperatures and ongoing drought could cause the power grid to to buckle in vast swaths of the country, potentially leading to electricity shortages and blackouts.
0: So, because the heat this year will be worse than it has been in previous years. That is what it's going to do in the, the, the electric grid?
1: Yes, it stresses the equipment. And the assessment blames climate change because NOAA has forecast a hotter-than-average summer for mm. the U.S. this year. That will strain equipment and because drought conditions threaten water supplies that are used to cool off thermal power plants across the Midwest. So keep that in mind. Now is a great time to get prepared. Yeah, good luck. Russia is again using energy as a weapon. Russia shut off natural gas deliveries to Finland over the weekend in retaliation for Finland applying for membership in NATO and because Finland refused Russia's new demand that it now pay in rubles.
0: And I suspect Finland doesn't even care.
1: They do not. Finland's (laughs) state-owned gas wholesaler says it has been preparing for this exact situation since before Russia invaded Ukraine and expects to have ample supply, bar any disruptions in gas transmission, like, say, a cyber attack on a pipeline. Uh Uh-oh. The intense, months-long heat wave that has been gripping India and Pakistan was made 30 times more likely because of man-made global warming. That's according to a new assessment by climate scientists at the World Weather Attribution Network. Global warming made the record-setting early heat wave in South Asia hotter and 30 times more likely than a similar event would have been in pre-industrial times. The heat wave caused at least 90 deaths across India and Pakistan, triggered forest fires and floods from fast-melting glaciers in the Himalayas, and stunted India's wheat crop, helping to fuel an emerging global food crop crisis. The scientists warn that future heat waves will likely be even hotter and occur even more frequently than today, unless governments act to curb emissions. And of
0: course they won't.
1: Some good news. A new report by the International Energy Agency finds that global sales of electric cars hit 2 million in the first three months of 2022, not quite double over the same period of last year. But less good news, the IEA shows that the U.S. is still playing catch-up, still falling behind global EV market leaders China and Europe in expanding battery supply chains and EV manufacturing. Most advanced batteries today are sourced from Asia. And finally, some great news for people and things that live and breathe in Australia, where voters overcame a relentless barrage of climate disinformation from Rupert Murdoch's media empire to oust the conservative Australian government in favor of the left-leaning Labour Party that had pledged swift action on climate change to cut Australia's emissions and expand renewable energy. Out is abrasive, conservative, coal-promoting Prime Minister Scott Morrison, who once branded a lump of coal in Parliament to attack climate policy, and who also pushed expansion of coal mining and exports. Polls show climate was a top concern for voters after a slew of record-breaking bushfires and flood disasters since the last election just three years ago. Here's new Labour Prime Minister Anthony Albanese. We have an opportunity now to end the climate wars in Australia. Australian business know that good action on climate change is good for jobs and good for our economy and I want to join the global effort. It matters because Australia right now has the least ambitious plans of all of the developed nations to address the climate crisis.
0: That is good news, but until they kick out Rupert Murdoch, until we kick out Rupert Murdoch, the climate wars, I'm afraid, are never going to end.
1: Mm, Good point.
0: For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com.
1: I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi
0: Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. I come from
1: love, and love and love.
0: Okay, thank you very much, Desi yes. Doyen. And, uh, of course, after uh, holding the good news for the end there on uh, the Green News Report, I, uh, which is very good news indeed, but I uh, hate to break it with this uh, terrible news. It appears that an 18-year-old gunman uh, opened fire on Tuesday at a Texas elementary school, uh, killing 14 children, one teacher, and uh, injuring others. The deadly It was the deadliest shooting at a grade school since the uh, attack in Newtown, Connecticut, almost a decade ago. And uh, it comes just days after this uh, shooting in Buffalo, New York, where an 18-year-old gunned down, uh, fatally shot 10 people at a grocery store. Here was comments just uh, moments ago from Texas Governor Greg Abbott. Uh, The shooter was uh, Salvador Romas, uh, an 18-year-old male who resided in Uvalde. Uh, It's believed that he abandoned his vehicle and entered into uh, the Robb Elementary School in Uvalde with a handgun, and he may have also had a rifle, but that is not yet confirmed according to my most recent report. Uh, He shot and killed horrifically, incomprehensibly, uh, 14 students, uh, and killed a teacher, uh, Mr. Uh, Ramos, the shooter. Uh, he is he uh, he himself uh, is deceased, uh, and is believed that responding officers killed him. It was uh, AP reports. It was not immediately clear how many people, in addition to the dead, were actually wounded. Uh, One of the reports said as many as two dozen were sent to uh, local hospitals. So uh, there you go. Another day, another mass shooting in these United States, this time in Texas. All right. Well, more on that, no doubt, in our upcoming uh, broadcasts we got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to yeah. all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Everything we do here is made possible only through your support at bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Bradblog. We will see you there until we see you here next time. Uh, I'm Brad Friedman. Election results tomorrow. Good luck, world.